Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Activist Lawyer. Today is a special episode of Activist Lawyer where we are going to be joined by Adele Finn who is a solicitor with A&L Goodbody in Dublin. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Adele and her, her background but primarily we're going to focus on a fantastic fundraiser that she set up um, recently around Ukrainian children coming to Ireland. We'll go into a little bit of detail about that. And um, firstly, I'm going to take you through um, Adele's bio. So Adele is a knowledge lawyer with A&L Good Bodies Finance Department and previously spent eight years working as a senior banking and commercial property lawyer in a commercial law firm. Adele provides knowledge support to the firm's finance partners and lawyers in the areas of general banking, construction and engineering practice groups. She assists the fee earners with technical legal queries, updates both the department and clients on regulatory, legislative and case law developments and manages the department's knowledge resources by running in-house training sessions and workshops and maintaining up-to-date precedents and know-how documents. Thanks so much for joining me Adele. Thanks Sarah, great to be here and thanks for having me. Well we go back a little bit. (laughs) Yes we do, just a while. How many years was um, Black Hole, the Black Hole days? (laughs) Yeah, I think how we passed, bypassed our 10 year anniversary at this point. Oh man, it seems like such a long time ago. So Adele and I trained in Blackhall Place together. Back in the day, I was working in Brophy Solicitors in Dublin. And where were you doing your traineeship with? That's right. I was in Ken Carthy Solicitors. Oh, very good, very good. That's right. Um, So yes, now we reconnect across the airwaves or the podcast waves um, to talk mm-hmm. about a very special project. So just a little bit of introduction about it. When Ireland started welcoming refugees last year following the invasion of Ukraine, Adele, like so many, was moved to help and seeing so many people generously offering clothes, baby items, buggies, all of that for children coming um, Adele wanted to see what else she could do. So knowing how important books are to her own children's lives, sourcing and providing Ukrainian children's books was her obvious answer. But getting a hold of them was a challenge, a massive challenge, I would say. So Adele began mm-hmm. her research and set up her fundraiser on the GoFundMe platform. So Adele, you're going to take us through this project. If we go back, it's a, a year now since, well, just over a year since the horrendous invasion of Ukraine by Russia that we all witnessed and we're still there. War crimes being committed um, committed every day. And, um, you know, we were all, as you say, there um, moved to to do something to react to that. But you did something very particular. So, how did this come about, um, Adele, in terms of your fundraising initiative? Um, so, yeah, as you said, Sarah, um, very early there was a response from Ireland um, with after the twenty fourth of February, twenty twenty two, and um, a call went out on social media down here in. Um, Republic of Ireland, it probably went out to the north and, and everywhere else, but it was just looking for clothing for um, mothers, particularly because obviously the rules, you know, m- main people that were coming through the into Ireland were, were mothers and their children. And they were looking for clothing, for baby clothing and buggies, that sort of thing. So um, I started immediately because time is of the essence, you know, you really want to get these clothes to women quickly. Um, and I just thought, God, it wouldn't be great to pack a couple of books in with these clothes you know so I just went on Amazon tried to see if I could order quickly and um, some books and I couldn't like they were books that were probably available were um like yeah expensive enough to get so um I just thought this would be a really nice idea the idea sat with me for probably a few weeks you know 
ran past family members um, and it just stuck with me. I just, I just knew that this was something that would be really, really helpful um, and ideas come and go and you never really do anything. I'd never done anything like this before. I had in, it did something locally with the community, Ukrainian people that came into Stony Batter where I live um, and I did something on a really small scale, but this was, you know, quite a big idea. Um, so, yeah, I got the Go For Me page set up. I did research initially to find out how I could actually access these books without having the language. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there was very little available in Europe. There was I came across the Polish NGO who are, um, I guess, in a way similar to Children's Books Ireland here, which is like an agency or a literary agency that really promotes, promotes and supports literacy with Polish children. And given what Polish um, children faced with back in World War II, where a lot of the literacy of Polish children went into such decline, um, they really reacted and responded to help the Ukrainian children coming over the borders into Poland. And they started working directly with Ukrainian publishers and distributing and donating these books um, from Ukraine over the border to Ukrainian children now in Poland. So I, on a whim, reached out to them by email and said, look, if I raise money, could I get some books from you? And they were delighted to support and help. So I got um, a bit of money raised on the platform and I was able to donate 200 euros, or sorry, donate, I think it was 500 euros over to the Polish NGO and they in return donated 200 books to me. So that was the first kind of um, delivery of books that I got in last summer. Um, but it's separate to that. The the idea was great, you know, get these books, get the funds raised and, and, and get these books to Ireland. The question was, how do I get the books to Ireland? So um, if you remember at the time, a lot of, there was such an incredible response from Irish people. Mm-hmm. And so many vans were going over to Ukraine from Ireland nearly daily with humanitarian aid and I thought well if these books are going over to Ireland sorry over to Ukraine from Ireland they'll be coming back here empty so perhaps they could bring books back for me and I got speaking at an event to a Ukrainian volunteer group and run by Ukrainian people that have been living here for 20 years and I asked would they support this and they were delighted to. So they still support me to this day. Um, and that's Ukrainian Crisis Center Ireland. And um, particularly Michael Baskin, who's the CEO of that volunteer group. Um, and they, yeah, they delivered the books um, on them from Ukraine over to Ireland for me when I Excellent. when my orders come through. Excellent. Oh, my goodness. And where do the books go, Adele? Or where did they go initially? I mean, how do you get them to the families and the children who need it? So my idea really was to try and get them into libraries because I felt the libraries are the way that they can be shared and spread about the communities um, best. Um, So they've been distributed to, I think, eight or nine libraries at this stage. When I say libraries, I mean county libraries. So eight or nine different counties. So I really, I mean, as 
as a, as a lawyer, as a knowledge lawyer, you know, you don't just come up with these ideas. You go on to the um, <laughs> Central Statistics Office website and you're your looking. Data right. <laughs> yeah, you get, you, you, exactly. <laughs> you, you check your data. You, you check where are these communities based and you try and find out where um, they're based. So I picked or selected the, the libraries that way. Um, so as I said, they've gone to about eight or nine county libraries now. And in addition to that, they are being distributed to Ukrainian community centres and volunteer groups who have, again, set these um, these centres up voluntarily, you know, and these are run by Ukrainian people themselves um, in different pockets of towns around the country as well. Excellent. And I did see you advertise, I think it might have been on LinkedIn, um, one book in particular it looks absolutely beautiful. Um, just the cover of it as well. The story of Ukraine, an anthem of glory and freedom. What in particular about that book appeals or do you think will appeal to children and their families here? Yeah, so this book um, was only published last year. It was published by, or sorry, it was written by an American man, American author, who is married to a Ukrainian lady in the States. And they published this um, and the Book, the book publishers that I work closely with in Ukraine have also kind of got the publishing rights to it. Um, it goes through the national anthem of Ukraine and tells the story. And it tells the story of Ukraine through the anthem in a really, really nice way for children. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many. There's now Sarah. 13, I think, 13 and a half thousand Ukrainian children in Irish schools. Yeah, Nearly 9,000 of those children are in primary schools. So you can imagine there is going such a, an amount of children that are really now trying to integrate themselves in these foreign classrooms where the teachers are trying to, you know, integrate them and help them settle in. There's a language barrier, there's a culture barrier. And I just think that this book would be such a lovely way to try and blend and introduce such a, it's, it's such a rich, deep cultural um, that the Ukrainian people have and share and enjoy. And I just think this book is such a nice little bar, um, bridge to allow the children to talk to their new classmates about, you know, their background and, and what's so interesting and fascinating about their culture. And just to take, that that's the nice, picture but also just to take it a little bit deeper there's a political issue here and as you know culture and culture war is such a huge part of this war and the Ukrainian people are fighting not only for their independence and their freedom and their sovereignty against um, you know an invader but they're also trying to protect their identity their culture their language and this book just bringing it into schools helps that so Adele, the books certainly will go some way, it seems, in terms of keeping culture alive and preserving that culture with children and their families. It's such a fantastic initiative. However, has your project allowed you to gain greater perspective or greater insights in terms of integration of Ukrainian families as a whole in Ireland? Being involved in this? Well, I suppose in the book context and why this book project is so vital for Ukrainian people in Ireland um, is to just allow the literacy and the language of um, 
of Ukraine to, to stay with these children. Um, they left last year. You know, many are here 10, 11 months at this stage, even 12 months now. And they, from at school going age up, you know, they're now in English speaking schools and um, learning their curriculum through English. Mm-hmm. So they are losing, we saw it during the COVID pandemic, you know, yeah. that those key learnings that children are missing on, on their um, in their own classrooms. So for the English, for the Ukrainian language, like I've already heard from parents, from mothers, you know, how that's being affected. Um, I spoke with one lady, a lady who I distributed books to, they're living in a holiday village in Wexford and I sent down about 20 books to them last summer and she was so grateful because she said that the kids in going to the Irish schools now are already confusing their um, alphabet, the Ukrainian alphabet with the English alphabet. So for them that was hugely important just to get the children back reading in Ukrainian Ukrainian language books again. And then only recently, just only a few nights ago, I got an, um, a message from a 17-year-old boy who's here with his family in Kerry and again his mother was struggling trying to help his six-year-old brother stay reading in Ukraine in the Ukrainian language and he she was trying to teach him I think from the internet just to keep that preservation to keep that language alive because and just because a lot of these families they don't intend on staying in Ireland. Yeah, I was just going to say no. that it's, I mean, we did think this was going to be more temporary than, I mean, at the beginning it was supposed to, you know, last a couple of months and I think people are still finding it hard to believe that it's still ongoing and there's no way that families can return anytime soon. So um, it's, you know, this is an important part of the children's development and I suppose the parents as well, the family in its entirety who do, um, in, in most cases, I'd imagine, want to return to their home if they can and if it's safe to do so. Adele, just on that point as well, obviously it, it just brings to mind that we've children arriving from different countries into Ireland, um, you know, every week. And a lot of them coming from uh, war-torn, um, you know, countries where they faced then, their families faced incredible persecution. It strikes me that this initiative could, in fact, apply across the board and not just to Ukrainian families who are obviously so much in, in need of this type of um, support and children in particular. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not asking you to re- read into it. We, we don't know what's going on in terms of um, integration in Ireland from a governmental level. And I know accommodation is a massive issue at the moment in Ireland. But um, we did work with um, one organisation here who found that by going into reception agencies and hostels, housing, newly arrived asylum seeker children, music was key in terms of providing them with, you know, just a, a kind of a warmer welcome and a level of integration with other children. So um, what are your thoughts on that in terms of this project, perhaps expanding or other people picking it up to encourage this to happen across all, you know, children from different backgrounds? Oh, Sarah, I think like there's such a need. There is such a need for this. Um, this is something that should be prioritised at a governmental level, without a doubt. Um, one of the, I suppose, the, the key reasons or the impetus of to why I wanted to take on this project last year was from me, for my young kids, they love reading. And when we need a time just to quieten down where things are getting a bit manic, in the house, 
we take out our books and we read books at bedtime, we read books when we need quiet time, we read books when we want to just reconnect and share that really, I suppose, yeah, powerful moment with with our kids. And books, I just, I've always loved books. I, books are such a massive tool um, for so many different things. And I think that connection piece um, to help with the psychological trauma, like you say, like books are incredible. Like we're trying to support and help well-being of children. Books are an easy win on that. And yet if they can't read or the parents can't read books to their children, then how can we, how can, you know, that get resolved? It's, it's such a simple idea. Mm-hmm. And yet why are these books not available yeah. for ways libraries? Um, the Ukrainian, I still don't know. I'm still don't, I'm not aware of anyone doing it on this scale, even with Ukrainian children. And yet Ukraine is just over the EU border. Yes. You know, it's, it's it's within Europe, Lamas, like it's easy in a way because there's a lot of transport channels. Um, so for the other, you know, for Afghanistan or Syria or Turkey or any other countries that are coming into, you know, for those nationalities that are coming to Ireland, there there is definitely, there should be ways of, of accessing books in those languages. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I don't know why it's not on a higher priority list. So yes, obviously, I mean, there's, pressing needs and a whole kind of complex um, structure in place whenever anybody arrives, particularly those fleeing crisis and fleeing emergency situations, uh, not just from Ukraine, but there's a process in place, a different process in place, in fact, for other asylum seekers from other countries. But there's no reason why this couldn't apply to all, all children. And um, why perhaps, you know, children's needs in particular and, and something as simple as this book isn't this this type of project isn't being looked into um, as far as we know. Which I find so sometimes ironic, Sarah, because as an Irish people where we have spread ourselves around every corner of the globe and we take our culture with us. Yeah. And we're very proud of that fact. Mm. And yet, you know. Should it not be that we yeah. we give that that message back to people coming into our country mm-hmm. that we support and encourage their cultures and and their traditions yeah. and their histories to to flourish here. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's a huge piece of work to be undertaken around that, but lots of fantastic organisations and NGOs and people like yourself involved in that. And I mean, this is such a great start and a great initiative. Just how has the legal community been supportive um, since you started this, Adele? Um, They've been great, really, really supportive. My firm in particular um, have been hugely supportive um, just in terms of the firm with, you know, donations Mm -hmm. and also with colleagues. Um, It was actually, I I um, was very grateful recipient of a Volunteer Ireland Award last year, um, oh, which is great just to raise awareness um, again for the for the initiative. But that um, nomination was put through by a colleague of mine, um, so that was you know obviously very supportive and very um, gratefully received. Um, so within the firm, it's yeah i get a, a lot of support from people and and really just with donations it's mm-hmm. it's been a, a great help um because 
and that's words of support, you know, partners getting in touch and colleagues getting in touch with a lot of recognition, you know, when newsletters go around weekly in the firm. So when I won the award last year, you know, that was sent around. It, mm-hmm. um, it just helps because every bit of information about it just raised more awareness about it. Um, and I suppose the, the point is, if, if I don't get the funds, then I can't buy the book. Yeah. So Adele, we've had so many guests on here from very different backgrounds and we're happy that Activist Lawyer has expanded a little bit to include people from not just who traditionally work in human rights environment, in criminal defence and criminal justice and all of that, which is fantastic. But like yourself, we've had guests on who worked or work in corporate or commercial environments, but do something aside on the side of that and I guess one of our guests as well had spoken at a time about purpose and you know we had the fantastic Jude Copeland on from Cleaver Fulton Rankin who works in a corporate environment but does so much work outside of that in terms of support for the LGBTQ plus community in Northern Ireland and so much more that we couldn't even cover but what's your opinion I mean are we pigeonholed as much as we would have been years ago or you know we know that the bigger firms are getting involved in pro bono work and I mean what's your thoughts on you know that kind of maybe activism might be too strong of a word but the corporate firms or people who have a traditional commercial background getting involved in you know more kind of rights-based work or initiatives is it common or how do you feel about that? I think I think corporate firms um, and, and certainly, I guess my own corporate firm, like where I work, they they understand, and I think they really get the need for them to give back to communities and and to do pro bono work. I think um, Ada Buddy, to be fair, have been really championing and the the pro bono side of things and um, in corporate um, law, and I think um, they're doing a, a fantastic job of it. We have a, a really good pro bono department. Um, I think now there's a trainee rotation seat, you know, that they could, the trainees can actually do their rotation in pro bono. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a huge amount of work in, in that area. Um, for me, I guess, like, I I ended up in, 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 the cor- in a corporate law firm and I'm doing the knowledge role in a corporate law firm. And I guess that kind of feeds into how I end up perhaps doing the books project I've often sat at home in the evenings wondering how I ended up doing this you know trying to make some links and connections but I think um I guess with the with the fundraising and the volunteering I, I've never done anything like this on this scale before and I genuinely find I get so much purpose out of it yeah. and I remember having I wasn't having a, a a crisis of the whole their career but I remember having a conversation with my husband about it before going is is you know I love I love this so much I really get you know the purpose out of this now you know is this something that I need to you know do, is the world telling me I need to you know bring it onto a new career path it was funny that his, his response was and it's always said to me you don't so many people feel that they need to have purpose in their in their jobs mm-hmm. And sometimes your job can just be a job that you enjoy. Yeah. And you can find that real purpose, that really kind of fulfillingness um, that you can get, that I get out of this book project. You know, I, I found a new source for that. Excellent. Um, and then they're kind of, you know, coexisting side by side. But fantastic. Yeah. One doesn't have to be the other, you know, and sometimes people feel if they're not getting that purpose in their career, 
do they need to take a new direction and sometimes it doesn't have to be like that mm-hmm. you can just find that purpose elsewhere and I think that's what where I found it. Mm-hmm. Well how do we get our listeners involved or anybody else who hears this and feels like they'd like to donate or spread the word how can they help out Adele? Great so there um, as I said I have a go for me page and um, mm-hmm. so it's under the name Ukrainian books sorry um, books for Ukrainian children in Ireland Okay. Um, I also have social media page so the tag name on social media on Instagram and Facebook is at Ukrainian Books Fundraiser um, and it's really at the minute I have I want to keep fundraising to get books into libraries and, and volunteer centres but primarily I would love for this bilingual story of Ukraine book mm-hmm. to get into schools yeah. um, and school libraries and have that become like a resource book um, where all of these Ukrainian children are, are going to school. So if anyone is listening and they want to support that initiative, that would be fantastic. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure they will. And we'll publish links to the GoFundMe page and um, any other initiatives associated with it on our um, Activist Lawyer blog page um, as well as the notes attached to this recording so Adele thank you so much for joining me today I have been following this initiative for some time now and um, I just think you're doing amazing well done thanks so much Sarah and thanks again for having me here Um, and yeah delighted to share the word Thanks everyone for joining me today. If you like the show, please remember to share and leave a review if you have a moment. And you can also check out our website, www.activistlawyer.com, where you will see some blog articles written by our guests and contributors, as well as some fabulous Activist Lawyer merchandise. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast, but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.